like nostalgic movie review from Nerdy Married Man. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to New Nostalgic. I'm David. And I'm Steven. And today we are looking at Steven's pick, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. I absolutely love this movie. It's a 2021 movie. It's PG-13, and it's two hours long, or some places it says it's like one hour and 55 minutes long. Synopsis for this movie is on the cuffs of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressure of life as an artist in New York City. And this movie is starring Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Ship, Robin De Jesus, Vanessa Hudgens, and Joshua Henry. And quite a few more, but I, those are like the main people. Yes. Uh, director of this movie, too, I'll say, is Lynn manuel Miranda. He's done a lot of musicals and stuff. Of course, he did a Hamilton and a bunch of other ones uh, in Canto. So you'll know him from a lot of different things, and he does make a cameo in this movie. Well, I know this movie is like a passion project of his because he really looked up to Jonathan Larson, who the movie is about, and he kind of resonates with you know him in real life. Like He can put himself in Jonathan Larson's shoes. So I know he really had passion for making this movie a reality. For sure. Uh, Jonathan Larson, for people who don't know, he's the guy who made the musical Rent a huge, huge, huge Broadway success. And it's a really amazing story if you guys haven't watched that one too. But Tick, Tick, Boom is about uh, Jonathan writing um, Suburbia. I think that's what it's called. Uh, superbia superbia yeah tick tick boom is an autobiographical musical of him creating that story yeah it's 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 a biography within a biography like it's <laughs> it's it's got layers but yeah and uh back to lin-manuel miranda like this i believe is his directorial debut i think it was or it, it's pretty early but he i know he went into it and like knocked it out of the park he he you could really tell that he and all of the cast working on the film really cared about the story they were telling and i guess they ended up viewing a lot of the original first recording of jonathan larson performing the tick tick boom uh musical and they filled in a few gaps where they had to but they tried to follow it as closely as possible. And I, you could just see the passion throughout oh, yeah. this whole movie. And this was his directorial debut. Okay. So, and then, and then got to mention Andrew Garfield being the star of the show, but he is, he is gold. Oh in my this. gosh. He is worthy of an award. Do uh, you want to hear a funny story about Andrew Garfield with this movie? <laughs> sure. So when, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda actually was, creating this movie and he was thinking about casting one of the first person he thought of was Andrew Garfield and he got a hold of uh, Andrew Garfield's agent and he's like hey I think Andrew Garfield would be perfect for this role I think he looks the part I think he does amazing with his acting roles Um, I think he would do great for his performance there's only one thing um, can he sing and his agent actually wasn't for sure if he could or couldn't and he just told Lynn Miranda like yeah he can sing and then uh, when they actually brought it up to Andrew Garfield, he's like, well, I've never really sang before, but he actually took a year of singing lessons before actually starting production of the movie to really get into this role. And oh, my God, his singing voice, I was in awe over. It was like almost like 
the same moments like of uh, listening to like Ewan McGregor and Moulin Rouge. Like you never would have expected him to be an amazing singer, but he is. <laughs> and I just I loved his performance, and I absolutely fell in love with our Andrew Garfield even more than I already was after this movie. Yeah, he just he really knocks it out of the park. Before we move too much on, how do you feel about the movie? I think this is um, it. This is a must buy. This is a must watch. Uh, I think this is such a loving and emotional tribute and an amazing musical. And if you're a fan of musicals at all, you will love this. I think the music in it's fantastic. The acting's in it fantastic. The visuals are so superb. Everything about this movie, I can't say enough how much I love. Yeah, it's it's a really enjoyable film, and I like how they treat the source material. And again, all the actors really do a great job. Just incredible. And I think the music is very, very solid, emotional, and catchy. Yeah. Uh, you could tell this movie is definitely made for fans of musical theater and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're huge into that, like, thespian scene and theater, then you're going to love this movie even more. But, like, everyone else is also going to enjoy the movie. But I know they put, like, other cameos and winks and nods to people that are, you know, really huge into theater. Oh, yeah. I will say, like, just watch this movie it's it's worth at least a watch uh it's on netflix uh so just stream it especially if you're a fan of rent at all watch this movie i guarantee you you'll look at everything differently you'll look at rent differently um you'll just have much more love and appreciation for everything jonathan larson did which is actually really sad. Jonathan Larson actually passed away um, a day before Rent was had his first public debut on Broadway. Yeah, it's actually very heartbreaking. So he never got to see the most popular musical yep. that he created. And it ran on Broadway for years. Yep. And it's just so unfortunate. I guess, are we kind of going into the spoilers kind of section now? Yeah, yeah, let's uh let's head the spoilers. Uh before that next week we're looking at uh Uncharted. Yes. So that is also on Netflix. Check it out. Uh but yeah, on the spoilers. Um I love at the beginning of this movie <laughs> they're talking about uh Jonathan and they're like everything you're about to see is all true except for the parts that Jonathan made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess a a great summary of this movie is it's really about Jonathan going through an existential crisis of turning 30 and dealing with the struggles of trying to get a career started with plays and musicals and dealing with relationships and friendships and also trying to make money to survive and fund, you know, these musicals. So it's just he he feels like he's not at the point he wants to be by the time he is turning 30. Yeah. I got to say, this movie came out around the same time that Bo Burnham's Inside came out, and he also has a song about turning 30. And it's also these movies came out right around the time I was 29, and I turned 30 last year. And so I had those a lot of those same existential crises, and I was thinking a lot of those things too. Like, oh, like, man, like, I... 
if you look at like what other people did before they were 30, they had so much more accomplished in their life or they did this or they did that or they did this. And it's hard not to compare yourself to other people. And especially in the fields that you want to go into, like him wanting to go into theater, he's like, oh, well, Steven Soddenheim, the guy who wrote West Side Story, he wrote his first big musical at 25 and I'm already almost 30. Like, this is hard for me. This is powerful. Like, I, I'm a third of the way through my life and I don't know what I can show for it. And most of my friends are dying before 30. And it's it's mm-hmm. so, so sad and so, so beautiful. And it really does, like have reflections on reality and life and the way we all see things. Yeah. And so one of the other struggles that he is also going through is on top of all the stuff I just mentioned, he is trying to write the number, like the big musical number for the musical uh, superbia that he is writing. And it's going to be debuting within like a week. And he still hasn't written the main song, like the big attraction song there. Yep. And he's been working on this musical for eight years. So this has been a huge passion project for him. And mm-hmm. he's finally getting his big uh, workshop where he's actually going to be able to perform a kind of rough run through of the musical to all of these producers and all these people that might want to buy the musical to put it on Broadway. Yeah. And so the idea of uh, Superbia, it's, it's like this futuristic musical talking about how technology is slowly taking over the world. And I actually uh, heard somewhere, I think on a video, that Superbia is actually loosely based off of the novel 1984. Oh, okay. By what, uh, George Orwell. George Orwell, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so it's like loosely based off of that story and it builds upon it. But I know within the movie, you know, he's, he's writing this in 1989. Mm-hmm. And in the musical, it talks about how in the future, people are going to be stuck staring at screens and their lives are taken over by these screens. And I'm like, wow, he was so right. <laughs> yeah. he uh, The lines that he says uh, when someone asks him to explain what the musical is, he says, A, it's a satire set in the future on a poison planet Earth where the vast majority of humanity sped through their entire lives just staring at screens of their media transmitters, watching the tiny elite of the rich and powerful film their own fabulous lives like TV shows a, in a world where human emotion has been outlawed. This is really the first musical ever written for the MTV generation. Oh, it describes today so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, it's so, it's so crazy, like, how something from 30 years ago can feel so true to the times. And mm-hmm. it, it is really ridiculous how much, like, I've been re-watching a lot of these older things. Like, I even rewatched uh an old uh, Chris Rock stand-up comedy thing from 1990, and the things he talks about with race and school shootings and all these other things, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're still dealing with these problems today. It's almost like bigger and more out there too. Like, wow, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't believe how much of these same problems we're still dealing with and people writing stuff 30 years ago and all these things still being true or becoming more true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, while he's kind of going through this, his best friend he's grown up with, uh his name is Michael in the movie. I think in real life it was Matt or something like that. I think it's, so. But the character of Michael, he was also in the musical theater, but he has moved on to advertising company where he's making a lot more money. And so he's kind of getting away from, you know, the writing and stuff like that. And so it's kind of cool watching his character and 
Michael is such an amazing character. Yes, in this he movie. is. He's just so well done. But watching his dynamic and he's trying to help uh, Jonathan kind of get his life together, trying to give him you know job prospects and get his life going. But, you know, Jonathan cares more about, you know, his art and he wants to make his art a reality. Yeah. And a lot of the things in this movie that are kind of the most disheartening one and things that I think a lot of people struggle with in the times today is that he's got all these grand plans that he has and he's been working on this passion project of his for eight years and he's having all these existential crises of he hasn't accomplished anything yet and he's still 30 and he's wanting to stop being a waiter and be successful finally and but he's also like pushing all these people out of his life uh inadvertently and saying like i this is my only focus and especially closer and closer he gets to the actual workshop he's really really pushing away his loved one his friends and it's just it's it's so hard because it's like most people have this happen in their lives where you just have certain goals and it just doesn't work out that you keep the same friends or relationships or whatever yeah this movie really goes deep into like the feeling of your life like slipping or ticking away you know while you're trying to figure out what to do with it and i think the character of his love interest susan is so powerful in that because she wants to go on to a career Mm -hmm. and possibly move away and she's trying to also keep this relationship with him and he's so focused on himself that you know it's driving a wedge between them. But I, I found that her character alongside of Michael's character really stood out a lot. Oh yeah. In this movie, like they're just such a huge part. Well, and she's actually an amalgamation of several different exes put into one character. So it was several different relationships over the span of the eight years of writing this musical that he put into one character. And she does a really good job at portraying this. And the thing that's, frustrating with their relationship the most is you do see a lot of like love and support with each other and you do see a lot of caring but at the same time it's not a great relationship it's pretty toxic at times and the timing that they have with each other with things is so terrible because she has to make a decision uh two days before his workshop of whether she's going to move out of the city and take this other job and he's trying to write this last song that he needs to write a week before his things as workshops happening. And if he doesn't get this song, then he's probably not going to get any money from any of these producers. And he's like, I, I, I'm struggling because I have to get this done, but my friend's wanting to talk to me about things and I keep pushing him off. And my girlfriend's wanting me to help her decide this. And she has all these expectations of me being like, stay with me and don't go. But I'm not doing that for her. And it's making her more and more pissed off as we go. And my mm-hmm. best friend's really struggling with something. And I can't even be there for him because I keep pushing him away. Yeah. And I guess I really like where he and Susan's relationship end off because they realize that them following their dreams is more important than trying to force a relationship together. So she ends up taking the job. And he ends up pursuing his career, which works out for the both of them. But and then also over to his friend, Michael, like 
he i think one of the most powerful points in the movie is they're having this conversation and jonathan hasn't really been listening to michael throughout the whole movie and he's been trying to tell him something that's going on and uh jonathan ends up saying something like you know what am i supposed to be doing with this time i have because i feel like my time is slipping away like i don't have any time left and michael goes what are you talking about? You have so much life to live for, whereas I don't. And he ends up revealing that he has AIDS. Yeah. And it turns out a few of the friends within Jonathan's life have uh, passed away from AIDS related things throughout the last few years. Like he talks about in the movie where he'd been to like five, three of his friends, five, I thought it was three. He'd been to a three or five. Yeah. I can't remember of his friends and you know they weren't even 27 i think he said the oldest one was 27 yeah the oldest one was 27 the youngest one was 25 yeah and so like now the information of his best friend having that sickness as well and so he has to deal with that and he just i love i love it because it really you see it click within jonathan's face like you've been trying to tell me this yeah, he's like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, oh, you've been trying to tell me. But it also clicks that, you know, why am I thinking about my life ending when, you know, my best friend's life is actually possibly going to end. Yeah. We don't know how long he has. So it's a really powerful scene. Um, I got to say, um, earlier you brought up this ticking and this pressure in this movie. And this movie does an incredible job throughout several of the music numbers and throughout several of the big moments in his life. You hear ticking of a clock in the background and at this moment where his friend tells him he's hiv positive and then he's like i need to take this phone call you need to get out of my office i need to do my job right now we'll deal with this later kind of thing jonathan has a breakdown he just starts running he's running the ticking gets louder and louder the music's getting louder he's just talking about how he needs to keep doing this in his life and he's feeling all this pressure and everything's happening and all these people are dying and he needs to do more in the world and he gets to a point where he just yells stop and all the music and the ticking stops and i cry every time at this moment it it hits me so hard (laughs) this move sorry this movie is so beautiful. And this scene and him dealing with his friend's death is so, so tragically beautiful in every way. And this song that he sings recalling their entire relationship together is so beautiful. I love it so much. Yeah, leads to this climax of the movie where he ends up singing the song Why. And it, it really is such a powerful moment. He's just playing the song on this piano in the park and it starts to rain afterwards. And he's just realizing that he made a pact with Michael that he was always going to pursue writing musicals. And he's getting scared and about to give up. And his musical didn't get the attention that he thought it was going to. And he's just like, no, I have to keep doing this. Everyone that I know says how amazing I am at this and how much they love this and they love this side of me and I can't change who I am and I have to be this person, but I also have to be there for him at this moment. 
and he goes back to his house and I love this moment because he's just soaked in the rain and <laughs> Mike opens the door and he's like, you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan tells him, you know, like, I'm here for you. Let's do this. You know, he, there's support groups that we can go to and I'm just, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he just realizes what he, you know, he does want to keep pursuing his passion with his life and also be there for his friend. So he ends up writing what now is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is based off of this whole story. Yeah. And then after that, um, we get the whole uh, on his actual birthday, which was uh, two days, I think, after the um, or no, it was one day after the reveal or whatever. Uh, he actually does get a call from his manager that's always dodged a lot of his calls and tells him he just needs to keep writing. And then we also get the call from er, from Steven Sodheim telling him that he actually likes what he did and he's offering to get together with him and actually talk to him about other things that he could be doing. And he has his own little like birthday party with all of his diner friends and finds out one of his friends that is also HIV positive is starting to do better. He's been in the hospital a lot. And then Susan shows up to the party with a present for him. And he talks about how he's getting ready to write his new musical. And she's like, do you have any ideas? And he's like, I just have a lot of questions. And she's like, that's a great place to start. And a lot of the questions he had was what could he do to help people and help people who, cause I, I mean, Michael's even talking about in their big fight that they had, like how, he takes for granted that he can love someone when gay rights wasn't a thing back then. And he wasn't allowed to get married to the person that he would love and how AIDS was such a big epidemic back then that it was something that they all had to be terrified of trying to even find love in the world. And it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful story and message. And the things that he does to... Uh, support the gay community and the musicals that he made for the gay community, especially Rent, is just amazing. Yeah, I know Rent has a lot of other meanings through it, like, uh, you know, talking about the, the AIDS crisis and, you know, like a lot of his gay friends. And it also has to deal with some racial topics and also poverty. And it tackles a lot of heavy things. But, oh, yeah. And I mean, this... Tick, Tick, Boom also tackles a lot of heavy things as well. But like this, this musical is truly amazing. And it, it feels very personal. Like when you're watching it, it's not just one of those like happy go lucky musicals. It, it really hits a lot of things. And I really like that this story kind of takes a look at the creative process of Jonathan Larson and how he works through things. And, also, the the biggest part of the movie, the music itself, is phenomenal. phenomenal. Uh, I have to say, uh, when you're talking about him with the writing process, one of my favorite, absolute favorite scenes in this movie is when he's really struggling. Um, Susan just like left him. He's uh, just lost the power in his house because he hasn't paid his bills in so long. And he goes to, to go take a swim. And while he's in the water he gets the idea for the song and he sees the lines of music and the lines of the tiles of the swimming floor. 
And the way that they shot that looked so cool. And it was so visually like, oh, wow. Like that's like, and like when he's even fighting with Susan at different times, you can see him writing the songs and you see him playing the music on her hair. And she gets mad at that even at several times. Like, are you seriously writing about this while we're fighting? <laughs> and it's, it's crazy how well they show the writing process and how he thought of these things and how he incorporated his own life into these stories. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also the scene you're talking about while they're fighting that's probably one of the top songs in the the movie it's called therapy oh yes and it's like they're having this serious conversation this fight about their relationship whereas it's also showing the tick tick boom musical of this song therapy which is kind of you know bouncy and it's it's a happier sounding song but it's it's also sad in a way, but it, it, it's really great. I, I'd say like this, this musical has a lot of great songs. Oh yeah. Like even in that song, he says like, I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said about what you said about me not being able to share my feelings. And it's that kind of thing. It's like, it's so much like if you've ever been, if you're an overthinker, if you know any overthinkers in your life, he definitely is one of those overthinkers. I, I really get that a lot. I overthink things so much. And my wife tries to help me through that so much. Cause I still struggle with that today. And that's exactly how it is. Like I'll sit there and I'll think about like, Oh, well I said this, that made you think about this, that made you say this, that made me say this, that made me do this. And then you do this. And then we ended up doing all these things and it's all bad. And what do we do now? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, it's so crazy how like much this movie like really hit me hard every time I watch it. Like I'm like, ah, yep. Yeah. I get that. So I, I guess what it all comes down to is, check this movie out Mm -hmm. it is very good uh do you have any final thoughts uh nothing other than the things we've already said and uh sorry again for getting a little emotional there i didn't think i was gonna ever cry on this podcast ever (laughs) this movie is just that beautiful though and i think you should watch it for sure yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. And I guess I want to end with uh, I was watching some documentary stuff about uh, Jonathan Larson earlier, and uh, I wanted to end with a quote he said. And this quote was recorded the same day, actually, like within hours before he passed away. Oh, wow. And I thought it was a very powerful quote. It's uh, it's not how many years you live but how you fulfill the time you spend. Nice. And I, I just thought it was really great. Um, so end off with that and go watch this movie and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.